You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Oh, yeah, I hate to say it. If I hit the lottery anytime soon, I hit the lottery and I get enough money, I'm buying Jerry out. I'm buying Jerry Rutherford out. I would own the White Sox. Who's Jerry Rutherford? I go up there in a heartbeat and I buy the White Sox. So you sit there and talk all the trash you want. You talk all the trash you want about me. But I guarantee it. When I have eight championships, Nine championships, yeah. ten championships, right. twelve championships. Twelve. Then everybody got to know their role. They got to know their role. I'm down. And know how to smoke it, know how to drink it, know how to spit it, chew it. I have MVPs. Yeah. I got Cy Young Awards. Damn right. Crowns. Right. Yeah, I went that extra mile. They ain't chewing that, that stuff. They ain't smoking that stuff. They no, ain't drinking not. that stuff. They nope. ain't doing nothing. They ain't doing but nothing. eating steaks and burgers and <laughs> getting all fat. I'm going after Rhodes Chatton. Have a take care of Joe Kelly's spot. All right, all right, all right. He had me there for a moment. Even with the smoking that stuff and drinking that stuff and Jerry, whatever last name that he gave Jerry Reinsdorf there, I think he called him Jerry Rutherford, is getting fat on cheeseburgers. He had me. He had me. I had the passion and the fire. He's going to win the lottery. He's coming up here from Kentucky, and he is going to to run the White Sox, 12 championships. I'm buying in. I'm all in until he told me he was just going to bring in another relief pitcher to replace a relief pitcher that we still have under contract and we're stuck stuck with with Joe Kelly. Like The one thing the White Sox don't need this offseason is more relief pitchers. You can go out and sign some minor league free agents and some quad A guys that you think might be useful relievers. But yeah, I don't think that that's the savior we're looking for. If it's just going to be come up here and bring in another Joe Kelly to replace the current Joe Kelly. I don't need I don't need more relief pitchers. Not not in any way whatsoever. Forget it. I'm done. We have plenty of relief pitchers. We've got a lot of them under contract that I'm not even happy around the team, and I don't know how this guy in the front office is going to find a way to trade them away for anything better. Socks in the Basement is brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions for anything from sump pumps, gutter cleaning, uh, yard draining systems, keeping water out of your basement. Give them a call. Mention Socks in the Basement. You get a deep discount, 708-330-4466. See what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. I find it interesting that the White Sox are pushing even harder than they're pushing the message about getting a new manager are pushing the message that Jose Abreu is not coming back. They are doing their damnedest to make sure you're prepared for Abreu not to return to the White Sox. Bob Nightingale over the weekend reporting that the White Sox are not bringing back Jose Abreu. This comes after Scott Gregor was on this show and said, based upon the conversations he heard covering the team on the beat, in the dugout, listening to Abreu, listening to Han, that he didn't think there was any chance that Abreu was coming back. It would be a slim the nun type deal, I'm paraphrasing there, that he would come back. This seems to be the main goal of the organization at this point, is to prep their fans for the fact that Jose Abreu is no longer going to be part of this organization. Which we've been saying for several months anyway, that you know you should brace yourself for the fact that Jose Abreu may not want to come back to the White Sox. 
that Jose Abreu may not be in the budget for the White Sox, that Jose Abreu was was sort of planned obsolescence at this point in his career, uh, or you know simply that he wants to go to another organization where he feels like he's got a better chance. And whatever it is, but yeah, this is this is the state of things, right? We're supposed to be talking about even now, okay? After after a bad year, after a year where a lot of things went wrong, we should be talking about the White Sox prepping to take this core to that next level and trying to fix some of the things that went wrong, trying to bolster some of the areas that showed some weakness. And instead, we're starting the offseason with, by the way, the most popular player or one of the most popular players on the team for the past decade will not be here. We're not going to say why, but just, you know, we wish him well and everybody loves him. And, you know, it, that's that's what we're talking about. We're not we're not talking about whether or not, you know, you want a manager that's got significant experience like Bruce Bochy or you want to take a, a chance on on a you know a highly sought after bench coach or somebody who's on the come up. No, nope, nope. We're talking about Jose Abreu. We're talking about the fact that the guy's not coming back. Oh, and also by the way, Sox fans, you should be disappointed not because your favorite player is not coming back, not because you've owned the man's jersey for all these years, but you should be disappointed because after a full on rebuild, supposedly a thirty five year old right handed hitting first baseman is still the second best hitter on your team. That's what you should be mad about. Let's be honest. I mean that's. That's the thing that should really get you. And he's not an all-star. Right. And one of the things that's bothering me this week, it, it kind of really aggravating me today, mostly, as we sit down and we record on Monday for the episode that you're listening to right now that came out on Tuesday, anywhere podcasts can be found, and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. The thing that's annoying me today are the one year ago today was game three. One year ago today was our greatest night ever. One year oh, ago today was my, my favorite White Sox memory. And that really bothers me because it shows me there's an entire generation of fan that has been so deprived by this organization, by this owner who's had the team for over four decades, and by this front office that's been in place for over two decades. Because you really start this front office when Kenny Williams walked in the door. There really hasn't been much of a change. It's the same thing. We're just shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic every year when it comes time to, to look at our front office and who's running this team. But if that's the greatest memory that a generation of White Sox fans have, a night in which everything went right, it was exciting. I, I was there. It was the one of the loudest times that I ever heard that stadium. I heard that stadium just rocking. It also rocked in 08 during game 163. I was there. It also rocked for game one of the World Series. I was standing at that game as well. It's not the only time that the stadium has ever rocked before. Okay. Now, but if it was the only time you saw it rock that way, what does that say about the organization? Because it took about 12 years in between 08 when they finally got in front of a fan base to have a game and they lost the series three games to one. Like it was exciting. But if that's all we got is that one win. And remember, this is the one win where also the stadium was operating at 100 percent. People who walked in at game three got a towel that had like a commemorative thing on it. The 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 bars were stacked. Uh, you could get any kind of beer you wanted in the place. All the food was available to you. All the amenities were available to you. On the 300 level, they they just marched out every cart that used to be there before the pandemic. The place was open for business. And when you came back for game four, the organization didn't even expect them to be there because half the beer was gone. They were running out of things by the sixth inning, food-wise and drink-wise. Half of the stuff was closed in the ballpark, even though you had just had a game three because the owner can't, he can't lose any money, right? It's like, 
get rid of inventory. I don't think this team's making it to the next round. And the towels were something they bought at the dollar store, it looked like, because there was no, there was nothing on it, just a regular black towel. Like, I remember walking in the game going, even the team doesn't believe we're going to win this game, let alone the series. Look at what they've done here in this game. So whenever I have memories of game three, what I remember is, well, it was fun. I remember my sister and I were there. We were screaming our butts off. We had an awful lot of fun at that game. But I also remember the fact that you only won one game in that postseason. And even your organization didn't believe you're going to win game four. Because when you walked in the ballpark in game four, it was like a completely torn down experience after game three. That's what I remember. That's not my greatest memory. I'll reserve my greatest White Sox nights for other nights that meant a little bit more. Yeah, I, I mean, and I understand. You're right. Okay, so... It's 2005 is now almost 20 years ago, which means that you've got people who were kids, were not at the game, don't remember. You got people who were young and, you know, recency bias will say that last year was much better than 08, much better than 05. But, I mean, come on. Scott Pasadnik walking off game two. that's not your favorite White Sox memory. Yeah, better experience. Game one, game one, Bobby Jenks walking in and and, and Ozzie Guillen doing the bring me the big guy and the Houston you have a problem signs and you win game one of a World Series. That wasn't the greatest night. I mean, even the, and let's just go with like first round games. When they took on Boston and we were used to just always being eliminated and we smoked the Red Sox, and you're and, and they're singing na 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 hey hey goodbye in Game One of that series as a former Cub pitcher was coming off the mound, and we were just destroying them in that game. And going, those are all moments in my mind that rank higher than Game Three. Was Game Three an experience? Sure, we were coming out of a pandemic. It was the first time you really got to go to something like that after years of just the way that the world was different, and it was the first time back to the postseason in twelve years. Great memory, great memory. But like some of the ways that people have been celebrating it this week, like, oh, one year ago today, where were you? It just, it depresses me because it reminds me of the fact that we have a team that in their competitive window never got through the first round of the postseason after two chances to go to that postseason, only won that game last year and lost three games to one and now has all kinds of problems with bad contracts, guys leaving, Abreu's probably not coming back, and all these question marks, and you're still looking for another manager with the same people in charge. So every time I look at it, I don't have fond memories because it triggers me. I'm going to use a word that the generation behind me uses a lot. I don't normally do it, but it does. It really gets at me. You're triggered. And I'm triggered. I need to go to a like a, a happy it, place. Your gears are officially grinding. Right, exactly. It, it bothers me because it, it reminds me of what could have been and what wasn't. Well, and to your point, you know, here we go with an offseason that is starting with wistful memories of the one game that we got over on the Astros and is going to proceed with the same old, same old crew trying to fix the problems that they created in the first place. Exactly. Uh, if you have uh, some problems around the house, let's say that you're a fall risk or you have a family member who's a fall risk, especially if mom and dad are getting a little bit older, it's time to switch to a new age of life. It's all about making the home into a smart home, and Hyatt Home Medical Equipment is going to do that for you. Doors that open and close with the touch of a button on an app, uh, systems that'll get people from the first floor to the second floor, uh, really incredible technology when it comes to CPAP machines for sleep apnea or diabetes control. Uh, they can retrofit the bathtub. They can make the house safer. A lot of people 
when they get older, fall down in the home. The home actually becomes a dangerous place. You can take that danger out of the home. You don't need to go to assisted living. All you have to do is check out Hyatt Home Medical Equipment. They work with your insurance company, and there is a deep discount whenever you mention socks in the basement. Check out all they have to offer at hhme.com or stop in and see them. Ask any question you would like at 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. One of the things that I would like to do today is kind of go through this roster and and just just ask the simple question, will this player be better or worse next year? Like what your gut feeling is on the player. Do you, do you think we, we can do that for a little bit here? I think you could hit all 40 and I would have a strong opinion on him. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, well, then we're going to do it. We'll move around the horn. Um, well, I, I might I might not get every catcher in a row, every first baseman in a row, but we'll, no, we'll, it's okay. It's okay. we'll try to move through this and, and we'll go with even people that are leaving the team that, you know, theoretically they could bring back, although it doesn't sound to me like a Braves coming back. And I don't know why Johnny Cueto would sign up to be part of this, this mess. He didn't seem like he was very happy uh, a lot of times during the season. He was like, what the heck is going on with these guys? Remember, he made some comments. He's going to get paid, I think, in this offseason and the White Sox, I don't think. I don't think they're bringing back Johnny Cueto either. Yasmani Grandal, let's start off with him. Here's a guy who hit 202 with a 570 OPS. When you look at Yasmani Grandal, do you think he'll be better or worse next year? And I feel like this one's loaded, Ed, because, because it feels like the only thing he can do is do better, right? Like, there's no way he could be worse. No, no, no. He could actually somehow be worse. I... Here's he's in his decline phase. There's nothing more I can say about it. It's just he's in his decline. He is an old catcher. Old catchers fall apart fast. They don't fade away. They just they just they're done one day. That's it. So yeah, I think next year he could actually probably be worse. And if you don't believe catchers can get old real quick and then all of a sudden it's over, just look at White Sox history and remember the time that they they gave Carlton Fisk a motorcycle to go away halfway through the year. Like, like, ah, we probably shouldn't even have started a season with you, Pudge. Like, it happens very quickly. Like, and he is declining terribly. I want to read, you know, we had Scott White on here from CBS Sports uh, talking fantasy baseball. And the moment we started talking about Yasmani, I had to punch it right into my computer here on the bar. Because I remember reading his name in the catcher rankings for next year, where he's talking about performance of players. And he's got Grandal 14th amongst possible catchers in fantasy baseball, but his only reasoning, listen to this, is I have nothing good to say about Grandal's 2022 and seeing he'll be 34 next year, it's possible he'll he simply reached the end of his rope. But there comes a point at this position in particular where your best hope is simply to shoot for upside and the possibility of a bounce back season with improved health isn't so far-fetched. So he's basically saying I wouldn't even put him on this list but what if he bounces back? Like, it's fantasy sports. I put him 14th, so he's definitely a backup, so you're just taking a flyer on him. Like, that's the best hope for Yasmani Grandal from somebody who who looks at players and tries to figure out performance year to year. Yeah, essentially, he, he didn't want to use the phrase dead cat bounce, but that's what you're asking for. It's a dead cat bounce. All right, next guy, Jose Abreu, uh, 304 batting average, uh, 824 OPS. He hit 15 home runs only this year. And we talk about whether or not he comes back or not. I know that I personally, it's not ripping me off that he's not coming back. If the money from his no. contract this year is going towards something else, 
because you have Andrew Vaughn available. I'm not saying that Andrew Vaughn is a better player than Jose Abreu right now, but I am saying you have to mix things up somewhere. And I personally would choose the younger player with the high upside than the guy who is declining. So obviously I think he continues to decline, even though he will be a very good major league baseball player next year for whatever team he plays for. What do you see him as? I think the power is going to continue to drop. So I think that OPS goes down. Uh, I think the batting average can stay high, but you know, at some point Jose Abreu is a high batting average, low power guy. Isn't Jose Abreu. Right. So I think the man could probably hit until he's 40. I just don't know that he is ever going to be what he was in his prime for the White Sox. So I, I think there's, I think there's, I think he starts to fall apart a little bit more. I think the same thing. He could hit till he's 40 and he might even have like one of those years where he jumps up and hits 30 home runs. And it's like, oh man, look at this. It's amazing he's doing this. And they're talking about it. Kind of like with Albert Pujols at the very end here, where he does something where it's incredible that like, if you look at Pujols' last few years before this year, he was down statistically in power numbers and everything, batting everything, his WRC plus, all of his advanced stats. And now he's back up to a threshold that he hadn't been to in years. Like you could see one more year of that of Jose Abreu, but there's not not a guarantee that it's next year. It could just be something that happens before he retires. I think it's also going to be park specific. Like if he goes to Cincinnati, I think he could hit 30 home runs playing in the Great American Ballpark because that place is a launching pad. Right. But if he's, you know, if he's here or, you know, a lot of other stadiums around the majors, I think the power is going to continue to slip. That's what happens. You get old, you you lose your you lose the punch. Yeah, ever since they did the thing with the humidors this year, this is not a home run ballpark, it seems like. I, mean, I don't know if how much of not, it's... Uh, not as much as it once was. Not as, I mean, it, Still, the White Sox were down this year. They should have done better. Uh, but I don't think it's the same kind of ballpark as the Great American Ballpark. Let's look at Andrew Vaughn then, because we were talking about Abreu, and everybody's immediately going to say, well, what about Andrew Vaughn? Andrew Vaughn, 271, with a 750 OPS. He's up in both of those categories from the year before in his sophomore season. He had 17 home runs. Over 555 plate appearances. He's 24 years old. Better or worse next year? Better. That man is on an upswing. We have we have just started to see this. Remember, we're only a couple of years away from you and I sitting here complaining that they were hanging their championship DH hats on a guy with like 55 minor league games under his belt because he didn't have anything during the pandemic year. So what you saw last year, was really his triple-A year, his double-A, triple-A year that he never really got a chance to have. This year was effectively his rookie season as far as I'm concerned. And if you don't think that he made adjustments from last year to this year or even adjustments during the season, you really weren't paying attention. Andrew Vaughn is going to be a much better hitter statistically than he was this year. And the eyeball test will also, you know, he he's going to be, He's going to be the man for this team. I, him and Aloy Jimenez, I think, are, are the two guys that are going to lead the offensive charge next year. So Andrew Vaughn, definitely on the upswing. And if he has a manager that's using him in the right way, and if he's playing a position where he's not so uncomfortable, because as many times as he tells you, I think I can do this thing in the outfield, and he can work out there, I think as Scott Greger said on our last show, you take that stress of standing out there trying to just do a passable corner outfield and put him over at first base – and that also should provide a boost for him. I think he has his best season ever, and I think he continues to go on the upswing. Again, I can't sit here and tell you that Andrew Vaughn will be more valuable than Jose Abreu next year, 
but there is the possibility that he does it. And in the long term, I, I still believe in this kid. Like everybody was like, Oh, go ahead and trade Andrew Vaughn. Right? Like I I've seen this. It's like a popular take that some people have. We should trade Vaughn and keep Abreu because I love Abreu because Abreu is like my favorite player and I have three of his jerseys and he's he's the goat. And in reality, he's this generation's best player, right? It'd be like if you're trading Frank Thomas from our generation, right? Right. I mean, like that's that's what it is. And so he's this generation's great, great guy who's been around with the organization through the ups and the downs and has had some big moments and is a great hitter and he's in the middle of the order and you like him and he's a he's, he's a personable guy and so you you just you have a little bit of bias towards him but to me moving on from a guy who what had like 50 at bats or something or 50 games or something like that in the minors after he was drafted came out and had a pretty good under the circumstances playing out of position really good season in his rookie year and then in his sophomore year added to that and continues to be on the upswing and is a very good hitter who can hit for power hit for average put it all over the field it is stupid to take years and years of that production and knowing where his ceiling is and say well I'm going to trade him and keep Jose Abreu you know now I know that people say well he's a great trade piece that that is true he's a great trade piece but I also see I also look at him as he's also one of your one one of your good pieces that you don't really want to move on from. You know, I mean, I, I, I he's one of those guys, I have I'm going to have a hard time if they if they trade Andrew Vaughn, as some people have suggested to try to get something. But try to get something. You can't just trade Andrew Vaughn to try and get something. You if you trade Andrew Vaughn, you have got to basically take a championship roster and put it on the White Sox with that man's trade. Right. Right. It's got to be something where you plug every single hole with a major league quality, above average, if not all-star position filling player. Like, it, you, this is not trade Andrew Vaughn and get the number one prospect in no. baseball. You do that, it'll be Cubs in the basement before I have it. You know. <laughs> Bite your tongue. It'll never be that. Uh, Hailstorm Brewing Company is an incredible beer hall that happens to be a brewery. And I always like sitting inside of breweries and seeing what they're doing and watching them brew the beer. And the brewer comes out, talks about what he's making. Uh, you can see the process, but it's also a big giant beer hall. I mean, they do have one big flat screen that they can bring down if there's like a really important game on TV. But really, it's all about getting together with the community, sitting at those big long tables, eating some good food, drinking from their extensive menu of beers. And this is my favorite time of year to sit down and, and try fall going into winter beers. Hailstorm has an incredible selection, and Will Turner, their brewer that started at the beginning of the year, is killing it over there, man. I really enjoy getting over there. It's a long drive for me from Evergreen Park, and I still make it up there every other week. I do. 8060, 186th Street, right in Tinley Park, right off of uh, 80th Avenue. If you're in the area or you want to make a trip, to check out the Tinley Park Brewery scene because there's a few of them out there and Hailstorm sits right in the middle, I think, and they are the best one out there. They got the outdoor patio with the fire pits for chilly evenings. It's a perfect time for that. Live music on the weekends, trivia nights, and other fun events. Go check out their entire lineup. See all of their events. Follow their Facebook page at Hailstorm Brewing Co. or just check them out at hailstormbrewing.com. Let's move on through the list here. I don't think we're going to get to everybody here in this episode as I'm going along. Well, we can pretty much skip second base, right? Because real quickly, what do we got? Roman Gonzalez, basically. Everybody keeps trying to push the sign Elvis Andrus and have him play second base. We heard it when we were up in that skybox with the season ticket holders that we talked about. Yeah, we did. You're right, you're right. Well, they should sign Elvis Andrus. And you can't say that he didn't have a really nice 
period of time with the White Sox. Like he was he was red hot, he cooled off, then he got hot again towards the end, and he finished with great numbers for the Sox. And he's a very good defensive player. He's also never played second base before. And you know, on one hand, if you're gonna go out and get a second baseman, he may be your best option. On the other hand, I don't know if that's what you're gonna spend your money on, depending on what your your payroll is. You have Albatross contracts. Like, I want to see him get rid of Larry Garcia. I don't know how Rick Hahn's getting rid of that $11 million and still keeping his job. Although it seems like he's Teflon and he can do whatever he wants to in that front office because Jerry trusts them all. And we can't really get an explanation from the owner as to why these people are still employed. But like there, there are some problems that they have on their roster with guys are spending a lot of money on that unless they release them, these guys are taking up space. And I so I don't know. I don't know if Andrus is who they go out and get. I'll ask that question. Elvis Andros, you just saw what he did with the White Sox. Is he going to do the same thing next year in a full season of 162? Or is this a guy in the back end of his career that was in the middle of a pennant chase, put in the exact right position he should be at the top of that lineup because he had all that protection behind him? You bring him in and put him in a position that he doesn't normally play, and he bats towards the bottom because Tim Anderson says, I'm the number one hitter. Is he the same guy next year? No. No, he's more like what he was for the Rangers and for the A's before he got DFA'd by the A's. So I, I... Again, you're right. Signing Elvis Andrews may make all the sense in the world, given the market, but he's not going to be better than he was when he got to the White Sox this year, that's for sure. And I don't think they have anybody right now that you would sit there and say is going to dramatically improve that would play second base for them. Maybe, maybe Lennon Sosa because he's still a prospect and still has an opportunity to grow, right? But Romy Gonzalez, I think, is just, he is what he is, kind of. He's not a real star player, and... Maybe he can turn a page, too, because he's still young. But Larry Garcia is established. Elvis Andrews, look at his recent history. He's established. These are not guys that are going to show up and do something drastically different than what they've done in the past. Same thing with Tim Anderson moving on to shortstop, right? Do you think T.A. gets better? He's a 301, 734 OPS. Would be a great addition to the $1,000 guest bounty brought to you by Parente and Norum. Uh, we're giving away $1,000. Uh, for the best guest of the offseason. I don't know if he would come on this show. I mean, let's be honest. When he's good, we... I'd love to have him, though. We, we, we rattle the Sabres and say that he's a, he's a great guy to have on the team, but it also seems like he may be upset that I suggested that he's got a contract that's perfect for trading and that he wasn't all the way there mentally at certain points of this season, so who knows? But if you could get him on the show and fans... Vote him to be the best guest of the offseason. You win $1,000. Parente and Norum helping us do this. Call or text them today at 312-641-5926 or visit pninjurylaw.com for a free case evaluation. They've gotten over $400 million for their injured clients. They are like the Yankees, I would say, of folks that go out and take care of injuries on the job or personal injuries or anything along those lines. But he would be an interesting guest. But let's look at him right now. For next year, I think that he gets better because if he doesn't, whew, that's a problem. Like if you're keeping him around and he goes down from 301 with a 734 OPS because the power wasn't there this year, only six home runs in his small sample size, you have an issue because he's not doing it with his glove. He, he's basically you're lucky if he if he breaks even with his glove defensively. Yeah. And, and you know, again, Anderson is a guy that it's been interesting to watch him challenge for those batting titles because a lot of people sit there and go, well, I don't know how he's doing it. You know, it's not like he's a huge high exit velocity guy. I mean, he's got some metrics that back it up, but 
I do think he actually is better than what he showed this year. I think he's a more complete hitter than what he showed this year. I do think there's, there would be more power. I think there would be kind of more of a clutch factor for him. I also do think the batting average could climb up again from 302. I think I think Tim Anderson has a rebound year next year, honestly. I think, he, I think he comes back up. Well, I think the drama that he was going through this year, self-inflicted drama from what you could tell, the drama he's going through this year affected him. We know what happened when that tragedy struck with his friend and how it affected him a few years it back. It definitely affected him, yeah. He definitely gets affected by things that are going on off the field. And why not? He's human. I think most of us would be affected by things going on off the field. So if it's all cleaned up, I see no reason why he wouldn't have the arrow pointing up and have a better year next year and go back to what you expect Tim Anderson to be. All right, we're running out of time. So I'm just going to name some names and who I all think are going to be down, if not exactly the same next year. You tell me if you disagree with any of them. Yohan Moncada, A.J. Pollock. Um, well, those are definitely down. Let's say Aloya Menez continues to get better. I think he's going to have a huge year next year. I can't imagine Luis Robert doing worse than this year, so I still think he's a better player next year. Do you disagree with any of those? Uh, no, I, I think Aloy and I think Aloy and Luis Robert are, are two guys that are still on the upswing, and they need to stay healthy. They stay healthy, would really help us. But if they stay healthy, it would. Um, I think you'd see a, another level for both of those guys. Uh, Yohan Moncada, I'm I'm over Yohan Moncada. I'm sorry to say, I just I don't I, I don't know what he can reinvent himself as, but he's got to figure something out at the plate. Otherwise, he is he is falling into this chasm of being a completely, you know, just just almost Yasmani Grandal like. Listen, like a good year for him in my mind is two fifty. That's what I think. I think like right now when I look at him, I go, man, if he could hit two fifty, it'd be amazing. Two fifty, two sixty from him would be lovely. Uh, you know, the one guy that I could I could see actually having a a better year is AJ Pollock. I know I I I've tended to go on young guys good, old guys bad, but. Um, if Pollock's given an opportunity to play every day and isn't platooned the way he was uh, and is given a chance to get some at-bats against right-handers, he's a streaky guy, but I could see him I could see him putting together a good season. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.